Welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I'm Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. I'm very happy to tell you that this, my friends, is the very first installment of the series, The Psychology of Film by a Prop Maker's Son. And in this episode, we will be talking about a work by Ingmar Bergman. Now, this is a person probably more endeared to generations slightly older than Generation X, but who influenced a lot of the film people that maybe we're more in awe of in our generation. Like, if you say Woody Allen or Martin Scorsese, you know, this man was enormously influential on them, for example. Now, when I think of a Bergman film, I think dark. But, but that's too easy. Maybe dark and challenging might be better. Uh, what, I, what I mean is that it's not that tough to make a dark, long, excruciating film. But to make a dark, long, excruciating film that you can't take your eyes off of is what sets these films apart. And I'm not a big fan of a lot of his work. I'm just going to come on out and say it. This particular movie did something for me. Um, So I'm not, you know, saying that I love everything that this man's ever done. uh, But I certainly, certainly was in awe of this one. You know, dark can almost be campy if it's done wrong. Years ago, I made a comparison between the goth kids of my generation and the emo kids of the next generation. And they said something like the goths that I grew up around were like, you know, they were like the Vincent Price and the Bella Lugosi. And the emo kids are more like the ghosts on Scooby-Doo. Anyway, if you do dark wrong, it's kind of like that. But this particular one was done right. The first and most impactful film I saw by Bergman, for me anyway, was Wild Strawberries. This film came out in 1957. Remember that, please, as we go over this. 1957. Basically, here's what's going on. From a car ride from one place to another, a bitter old doctor who's going to receive some kind of an award at the end of this trip faces his entire life a lot of the time while he's sleeping through dreams, mostly bad dreams and daydreams as well, and putting together the puzzle pieces of his life that he recognizes in other people, like they pick up hitchhikers along the way. And by the end, he kind of has it figured out and can finally be less embittered and a little bit more at peace. That sounds interesting, right? But how it was shot and all the symbolism along the way, to me, is what makes this movie. It's a mind blower. For example, 
They pick up a woman and two men who need a ride. The two men are both obviously in love with this woman. Well, this makes the doctor think about his youth at the seaside and the real love of his life. And he remembers them gathering strawberries together. You know, there's basically the film's title inspiration right there. But what happened? She wound up marrying his brother. So, so ironically, the passenger in the car and his old love were also both named Sarah. So, so this is all bringing back his life to him as he's taking this journey from point A to point B. Um, they also pick up a married couple that is a nonstop fighting married couple. And they remind him of his bad marriage. Now, these scenes were moving. But what really changes this movie from a good movie to a great one are the, are the full-on dream sequences. Some of them are explained. Some of them we have to do the math. For example, he sees clocks with no hands. He's forced to try to read something. But a professor uh, won't tell him what it means he can't understand it he's he's supposed to read it he can't even make out the letters and he has to ask the professor what does this mean on the blackboard and the professor tells him that it means a doctor's first duty is to ask forgiveness and then the professor adds you are guilty of guilt in another dream sequence he's holding a woman who is dead who he can't help and then she out of nowhere wakes up and starts laughing at him okay let's back up 1957 dude imagine tackling these things in a major motion picture in 1957 anyway here's the thing this sounds like a nightmare but these images don't haunt him. They awaken him. From Sarah in the car to the professor and everything he sees along the way, it actually allows him to come to grips with his life. It's like he now, seeing it dead in the face, can accept it. His last dream in the movie, after they arrive at their destination, and he's kind of a changed man, is a really nice scene of a family picnic by a lake. He sleeps happily now, and essentially that's the end of the film. Psychology Today had a piece called Facing Your Fears Will Heal Your Brain that went along with a lot of this very well. They mentioned that you can teach your brain that it doesn't need to be afraid of something. Well, how do you do that? If you have a fear, how do you face it? How do you teach your brain that it doesn't have to be afraid? Well, they use a beautiful, beautiful analogy. It says you do it much as you might reassure a child who's convinced there are monsters under the bed. 
that terrified child may not believe you if you just tell them, you shouldn't be scared. There's nothing down there. If you show them under the bed, you prove it to them using their own positive experience, they'll be much more likely to change their belief and let go of that fear. Maybe not right away, but pretty quickly and entirely. There aren't monsters under the bed. And most of the things that we're afraid of will never happen. Most of the things we fear aren't likely to ever hurt us. What will hurt us is living an ever smaller life because we think we can't handle the things in it. Wasn't that a great article? I think that's brilliant. And at least to me, Wild Strawberries is this concept on film. Again, let me be direct. When it comes to Bergman films, I don't always agree with their ideologies. And some of it is is pretty shocking. But the hopelessness in the characters and their life questions, and I guess you could say, you know, they're constantly wondering what's going on, and they're constantly trying to figure out what's going on in life and all this kind of stuff. It makes me that much more solid in what I personally believe. It's like I can really hold on to something. I don't have these questions. A a lot of Bergman films are very hard initial watches, and I don't recommend them all. You know, especially in a world of film that's ripe with explosions and green screens and computer computers at the ready to fix any and all inconsistencies. These are slow films. But but taken as a whole, a film like Wild Strawberries doesn't seem to be designed to entertain. Like it wasn't designed to entertain at all. It seems to be maybe made to make you think, made to potentially change a life and or question life itself. And the amazing thing is that films can do that. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist to shadow our overall theme. This time around, we have for you a Refresher podcast wild strawberries playlist you can find it really easily on spotify just type in refresher podcast dash wild strawberries we have 10 songs for you and here they are track number one i couldn't resist the beatles strawberry fields forever number two we have the passenger by iggy pop the third song the Dandy Warhols with Orange. Then we have Dr. Doctor by the Thompson Twins. Tom Petty, Running Down a Dream. We have the song Dreams by the Cranberries. From their second record, we have Van Halen with Somebody Get Me a Doctor. We have What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding by Elvis Costello and the Attractions. 
Tin Machine. You remember them? It was a Bowie band for a period of time in the, I want to say, in the, is it in the 80s or was it in the 90s? I don't remember. But Tin Machine, I think a song, kind of a hidden gem song that you may or may not have heard before. It's called Amazing. And finally, The Smiths from Louder Than Bombs with Asleep. That is our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast Wild Strawberries. This show simply would not exist without you. I very much appreciate your listenership. If this is the first time that you've ever heard our show, we are very, very happy that you're here. Thank you so, so much for being here and for giving us a chance. And if you're a regular listener, thank you so much. You know, if you could do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. This isn't a movie review channel. It it happened to be today, but we go over records. Uh, We also get into some pretty deep psychology. And and the point is, is to try to make you have a better day and to use pop culture examples to try to explain psychological things. Also, if you'd like to keep this podcast, help it to keep it, stay up and running, If you'd like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Uh, It can be as little as 99 cents a month. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. But whether you do or whether you don't, you don't have to. I understand times are tough and you may have no desire to contribute to a podcast financially. Don't worry about it. You just listen and enjoy the show anytime you want to. By the way, we have a website as well. It's refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. That is refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. You can find books that I've written there, as well as some celebrity interviews I've done, and things like merchandise for the show, like t-shirts and all that good stuff. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by my friend, Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.